Hey, it's Ian Altman. Before we dive into this week's episode, do me a favor and stop by and visit giversedge.com. There are only a few gifts I've received over the years that really stood out, and they were all sourced by the ruling group who you can find at giversedge.com. Hey, it's Ian Altman. We all know that in communication, our body language plays a major role. And you're in for a real treat because Mark Bowden is not only the founder of a communication company called Truth Plane, but this is a guy who's written three books on body language. He was voted the number one body language professional in the world for two years running. And not only does he work with teams and does he work with CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, but with politicians, with prime ministers of G8 powers, this is a guy who really is the go-to guy. We're gonna talk about the importance of disarming. We're gonna talk about the major misconceptions of body language. And in fact, we're even gonna talk a little bit about the biggest surprises that he's gleaned from working with these world leaders. You're gonna learn a ton. It's a lot of fun with Mark Bowden. Mark, welcome to the program. Hey, Ian, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. We, we had a blast. I was up in Toronto, and Mark and I spent some time with another friend of ours, Ron Tite, at dinner. And I don't know how many hours we spent at dinner, but it was, let's suffice to say, it wasn't a quick meal. Yeah, well, it took us it took us about two hours to order, didn't it? Because we were just <laughs> there talking and, and, you know, talking about our businesses and just, you know, life in general. And, and, and the waiter kept coming past and kind of going, when are these guys going to order? When are they actually going to get anything? I think the poor waiter didn't realize, look, if you have three professional speakers at one table, <laughs> the guy couldn't get an, he couldn't get a word in edgewise as the server. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But we did eat in the yeah, it was good food. Exactly, it was it was it was a fantastic meal and uh, and a great time. Now you're you're well known as the expert, and I can say that about you. You can say it about yourself, but but really, if not the expert, one of the most respected people on the planet when it comes to body language. And before we dive into what people should do, what are the common misconceptions that you run into that people have about body language? Yeah, so here's the major misconception I would say, and it's a pretty big one actually, is is I would say you you got to stop reading people's body language <laughs> because because your chances of getting it right are really low. It's it, you may as well toss a coin on the whole in terms of your conscious experience of people's body language. In in, in terms of say for example, in going to a meeting and trying to work out, okay, what's that person thinking? What are they are they holding <laughs> back from me? Have I got this sale? Are they into my product or service? You know any anything like that, are they into my leadership? Um, Your chances of getting it right are pretty low, or certainly it's a 50-50 chance, uh, some science would would tell us. So that would be the major misconception. Now, I'm not saying don't do it, but if you are going to do it, you've really got to take a very different approach from the approach that most people would take in terms of when they come to reading body language and the approach that's given in the majority of books or videos out there around reading body language. So that would be my main misconception, I think. Let's help people who maybe aren't as familiar with all the different books that are out there. You've obviously written three of them. Yeah. But but in terms of in, in terms of the additional what what are the cues that other people tell people to look for that are either difficult to detect or just don't work? 
Oh, well, let me just give you the, the basic one that everybody will have come across. And you'll have experienced this, as Ian, as well, I think, is uh, folded arms, for example. You know, I'm just going to do it now yeah. as I talk to you. I'm going to fold my arms. Now, I think if you read the majority of books out there or you just get involved in the kind of folklore around body language, somebody's folded their arms in. What does it mean? Tell me. What we're taught is that it means that the person is uncomfortable, they're not approachable. Yeah, yeah. Now, could be. Could be. Yeah. Depends on the situation. Depends on it because you've got to bring in it the could context. Be cold. Could be cold. <laughs> could be cold. Actually, could be listening to you. Yeah. Actually, could be tired, but actually making a real effort to listen to you, to actually stay awake and stay engaged. So it could be engagement under pressure and, and not closed. But, but which one is it? So let's just say we're going to go for those two. They're either closed or actually they're really open and trying to stay engaged. But how am I going to know? Because it's the same signal that I'm using. So what I now need to do is read the other signals around it as well. I've got to look at the context. I've got to put myself in the context and go, well, how am I influencing this person? Is it, is it, you know, there's, me, there's them and there's me and there's me and them. And how am I influencing this? And then really I've got to start asking questions. I've got to get really curious about the behavior that I'm seeing. So if I would advise any, people anything around reading body language, it would actually be be more curious, ask more questions, take more time to, to read people if you're going to do that. You know what? I love the way I love the way you teach this because it's something that I get so many people who, for example, they study disc profiles and they say, oh, oh well, yeah, I need to understand disc profiles. So I understand exactly what I should be doing in this meeting and and how this person is going to interpret what I say. And my advice and I'm curious to get your reaction to this. My advice is, look, you have incredible 100 percent control to a certain degree, over how you behave. Oh, yeah. And you have almost no control over the other person. So spend less time trying to read them, but you can affect how you come across. Right. I concur with that 100%. 100%. Which is, I, I've got no control over you at the moment, Ian. Yeah, I can influence and persuade you to, to an extent to an extent, but really I can't decide what it is you're doing um, or even, even decode really it, what it is you're doing. What do I have control over? Me. And would the control of myself be able to influence and persuade you so that I might be able to uh, then work out what your behavior is because it's behavior that I've kind of cause to happen. Well, yeah. So, so I spend, just like you, most of my time helping people um, gauge and monitor and produce the body language, which is going to be most influential and most persuasive and get them what they need and get others around them what they need as well. So I'm 100% with you there. Uh, so I, I have this little phrase, which is, which is uh, lead, don't read. So, <laughs> so lead the body language. Don't try and 
read it. Be a leader, not somebody who's there watching this kind of film that they feel like they don't have any control of. I hope that makes makes sense. No, no it makes perfect sense. I'm glad to hear you say this because people will ask me, well, what do you think about all these systems for, for profiling and, and coming up with the right personality types for your client? And I say, look, if you're in a long term, if this is a client of yours you've had for years or are going to have for years, and you want to really understand how they're wired, that's fine. It's it's going to provide some level of assistance. What I also say to people is, look, it, what matters most is what are you doing to build and establish trust with the other party? Right. And that doesn't change much based on other people's personalities. Right. <laughs> and it's not it's not like someone says, oh, well, you know what? I'm kind of a curmudgeon, so I don't care if you're looking in my best interest. Like, I actually prefer that you're looking out just for yourself. That's not going to happen. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Here's what I would say about it, uh, and I think it, it agrees with what you're saying there, is, is sure, get the disc profile, get the Myers-Briggs, get, understand your disc profile, understand your Myers-Briggs, understand theirs, uh, read their body language, look at your own body language, do what anybody would do if they want to be clever, which is get in as much intelligence as you can, get as much information as you can and then look at that and then decide what you want and based on the data that you have what you think you can do in order to get that for you and the person that you're working with that's just an intelligence system it's just the system that anybody smart uh, would use but you wouldn't use just one element of it you wouldn't just go into a situation and go look let's just do this meeting based on the Myers-Briggs whatever that this person has <laughs> because because it's such a thin slice and body language is the same it is a thin slice it's a moment in time that yes you can use to help the accuracy of your judgments about other people and yourself and your relationship but you wouldn't want to base everything on that thin slice that moment it's a data point it's an element that people can use. And I and I do see people overemphasize one piece over another. And the, the point earlier you made about being curious, if you're truly curious and you're truly trying to figure out how you can help somebody, that comes through. Right. And, and, right. If, and if someone's reading a script, what, what I often tell people is, because people will often come to me and say, can you script out what our people should say? And I refuse right. to do it. And people say, well, why is that? And I said, well, because... Have you ever been on the receiving end of somebody reading a script? And they said, yeah. I said, over the phone? Yeah. How do you know? Well, you can tell because the words are kind of hollow. Exactly. So if I write a script for you and you read them, they're gonna, the person on the other end knows that you're just reading someone else's words. Yeah. I, I, I've got a, a story about that, sure, Ian, which is, which is um, somebody was, was selling at me. Uh, over the phone, and uh, I say selling at, not to. I understand. <laughs> and, and actually, you know, I was in the market, so they'd got the right, you know, there was a good start. But, but I had questions, you know, and so I started, you know, asking some of my questions because I've got, I've got thoughts coming up in my head. And the person says to me, would you just let me finish uh, my uh, you know, sales story. <laughs> 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 and I was like, 
I, I just laughed and went, yeah, go ahead. Because I knew at that moment this person wasn't interested in the questions that, that I had, my curiosity around the product or the service, whatever it was at the time. They weren't interested in my curiosity. So they weren't going to be curious themselves and there was going to be no matchup. They weren't ever really going to find out what it is that I needed to help me. And, and there wasn't going to be a, a link there. So, you know, stay curious all this time. Stay curious about the other person and stay curious about yourself in that moment. And that way, you're going to really hear the questions that people have. You, you, you will see them in their body language as well. But also, you're going to be able to better produce the kind of body language that will win their trust as well. That curiosity wins trust. And that, that body language of curiosity and being truly engaged wins trust also. Yeah. So, let's talk about this notion of trust. Because uh, what, what I often teach is that Every sales interaction, every business interaction is all about trust. If mm. your employees trust you, then they're going to go the extra mile to produce better results. If your clients trust you, they might be willing to pay more for you because they trust you than somebody else. And in fact, in Same Side Selling, we have a whole chapter about finding the fit. And we say, look, until you know whether or not you can help make an impact for somebody and whether or not you can solve what they need to solve, you've got nothing to sell. Right. Because if you sell something without the possibility or likelihood of delivering the results they need, it's going to end up becoming a train wreck of an account anyhow. So we so we can't go there. So what are some of the what are some of the key steps in building trust as it pertains to communication? Cuz I know that you know you're often you're often heralded by your expertise in body language, but I see it more as general communication than just body language. Yeah, I think I think that's true. And and um, you know, body language is one of the ways I've got notoriety within by being really niched within this communication area. So let me just talk about communication in, in general and the idea of trust. And let me add one more word to it. I think it's about trust and credibility. And the reason I add in this credibility word is because of, of its Latin derivation, which is from credo, which it means I believe. We trust people we believe in. Now, yes. belief is something we have and it's something we think to be true and we require no more data around. When you've got a client who believes in you, you don't need to supply them any more data. That sale where you're going to go, look, look at the specs, look at the stats, look at the price, look at the where, you, where you're trying to give them data. That sale is going to stop and, and what it is, is a, a relationship based on trust at that point, that they believe in you, that whatever you give them is going to be working for them. So the question then comes is, how do we know that somebody is credible? How do we know that we can trust and believe in them? And this is where the body language part comes in, is that I would suggest, and I would say there's a huge amount of science out there that proves this as well, is that our, our initial and, and most 
powerful moment of knowing somebody can be trusted is when we see them behave and when we first see them behave. It's the moment, Ian, you walk in the room. It's the moment I see your face. It's not what you say. It's how you say that. And even before you said that, the behavior, the rhythms, the space that you take up. There's many different areas of body language or behavior that we know uh, triggers this moment of trust and credibility. But what I want to get across to people is that it, it's it's the frame. It's the it's the moment where that old brain, that unconscious mind, makes the decision of I don't know who this person is or what they're about, but I know they're good for me. Does that make sense? Ian? Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's that notion of that whether you call it the reptilian brain yeah. or. Um, or, or you know, or or many of the other terms that we yeah. use. The the bottom line is, is this person someone who is a threat or yeah. potential threat, or is this someone who, who if I affiliate with them, good things are going to happen? Right. Simple. Is it risk or benefit? Is this yeah. person risk or benefit? And the brain is trying to work that out. And and the here's the interesting thing for me, Ian, is that the brain isn't a knowledge system. It doesn't have a set of rules in it that says, um, you know, if this, then that. It's a, it's, a, it's a little more crazy and subtle than that, in that it has tolerance levels, in that it kind of goes, well, if a bit like this, then is this. Yes. It, it, it has what we call best fit thinking. So it's not looking for the exact thing. It's just looking for the thing that will trigger it to, to kick into a response if that makes makes sense to you. Absolutely. In fact, let me take it in a, in a slightly different direction on this, which is one of the concepts that I share with people is the notion of disarming. So in a sales environment, if you come across as a stereotypical salesperson, then your client has undoubtedly had bad experiences with stereotypical salespeople. Yep. And now they model that and they say, well, wait a minute, I'm going to project the, this initial behavior I've seen on this other bad situation. So you're now categorized, in essence, as a threat to me. Right. If, if you walk in and instead of your typical salesperson saying, oh, we're everything for everybody and our stuff is great, <laughs> if you walk in and say, I don't even know if we can help you, even though we've helped these other people, I don't yet know if we can help you, but I'm I, I'm – more than willing to learn about what you have going to see if we can help, then it changes that. So the other person now says, oh, this is a person who's here to see if they can help me. And what's my experience with that? Well, typically it's a physician is seeing if they can help me. Well, those are people I trust. So I guess I can trust this person too. Right, exactly. There are behaviors that, that are quite likely to best fit thinking trigger uh, your potential clients and customers into going, oh, this this person's a salesperson. She's a salesperson. They're a salesperson. Or oh, what do we do with them? Uh, we show them the door. We send them out. We don't listen to them. So you don't want to be potentially playing those triggers. There are other triggers that might trigger them into going, hey, this is my family physician. This is my per the person who helps me. This is my trusted advisor. Maybe you want to be triggering those. And Let me run this past you in and tell me wh whether this fits for you, is that I often tell people that they want to be showing the behaviors of a buyer, not showing the behaviors of a seller. 
Because also there's this element of we copy other people's behaviors. So if I'm trying to sell to you in and I, and, and I come in and I start showing you the behaviors of a seller, right? number one, I'm going to interest in, instantly trigger you into going, oh, Mark's, Mark's the sales guy. And you're going to fall into a pattern of what you do with sales guys. Well, listen, if you always buy from every sales guy that comes in, that's great for me. But if actually you've started showing every salesperson the door or putting down the phone on them, that, that's not going to work for me. So give us some examples of what behaviors might trigger someone to think, oh, this is a salesperson, and what kind of behaviors would make them say, wow, this person's just like me as a buyer? Well, here's what I've noticed as I've traveled across the world and, and, show, and given keynotes and training on body language, is the moment I bring my hands up to chest height and start getting um, really quite active and energized up there, people start going, oh, you're a sales guy. You're the sales guy. Yeah, you're trying to push this at me. Yeah, and they start to back away from me, okay? And then the moment I lower my hands to my belly area and start doing open palm gestures there, as I'm doing now as I talk to you, people start going, oh, you're, you're calm, you're assertive, you're the leader. Yeah, so do I want to be seen as the person who's going to lead you to the right product in a calm and assertive manner? Or do I want to be seen as the person who's going to push it at you? Now then, if I lower my hands to that belly area and do open palm gestures, and this is an area that I, I've coined as the truth plane. It's that area when you're there and speaking, people see you as trustworthy, as calm, as credible, as assertive. If I then start doing the behaviors of somebody who is inquisitive, the behaviors of somebody who's curious, then people start mirroring those behaviors. They start to copy my calm, assertive, curious nature. And they start to get curious about what I'm curious about. Now, what if I come in with my product and service and I just get curious about that? I get curious about you and I get curious in a calm and assertive manner about my product or service. And I start to wonder to myself, I don't know, does this fit for you? And I start to ask you questions. Yeah. And and I start to ask questions of the product or service. Instead of pushing you data about the product and service, I start to ask questions about the product and service. I would gamble and and bet big money that you'll start mirroring that behavior and you'll start asking questions about that. I might not know the answers. I might yep. go, well, let's go and find these answers. Or I don't know, what do you think? Would it fit for you? Does that make sense? So what I'm trying to do is instead of triggering this, uh, I guess, classic caricature or stereotype. And of course, caricatures and stereotypes are based on some element of truth at some point. This caricature and stereotype of the agitated, forward-pushing, aggressive salesperson, what I'm trying to do is be the calm and assertive, curious leader in order to take you through an exploration of the fit between product and service and, and you and your business. Does that make sense? Ian? You know, it makes, it makes perfect sense, and it actually provides some some science or brain work behind some of the things that candidly I teach and instinctively I say, well, here's why this works. And the way I often describe it is I say, look, if you're pushing 
it's kind of like you're cornering an animal and they're either going to take fight or flight. Right. If you create something of interest and then you kind of pull away, if the other person found it interesting, they will pursue you. Right. And if not, then you just got to the truth that there's not an opportunity there. And so that notion of what what I often suggest to my clients is, for example, if if I was working with, with you and you said, okay, well, listen, I work with these world leaders on their communication strategies. If you were meeting with a potential client, the first thing, I, first thing you would probably ask if they reached out, because presumably they came to you, is, well, why'd you reach out to me today? Exactly. And then, and then they start saying, well, I've got this issue and that. And you might even say to them, look, for some people, if they don't get this stuff right, it's right. not that big of a deal. <laughs> so it's not worth investing in. Right. And How that, about for you? And then they convince you why they need what you do. Right. And that's exactly what I do. You know, the, the first thing I'll open with is like, what's up? What's happening? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I just want to know why, you know, why are you coming to me today? Yeah. You know, what's up? And, uh, and if somebody's saying, you know, well, you know, I got to deliver this big speech, you know, I'm up for, you know, the board or I'm up for presidency of the, of, of a new company or, you know, we, we've got a new product coming out, you know, whatever it is, I'm up for prime minister, you know, I've got to give this big big speech one of the first things i'll say is like well do you have to <laughs> you know can, can you can somebody else not do it right. why do you have to do it <laughs> and in some cases you know in some cases people will go yeah why don't i give this to uh, to joan she'd be much better at this than me and i yeah, go and yeah you, why yeah, don't and you? you get to the truth you get to the <laughs> right. truth right why don't you and and i've i've had consultations where they have paid me uh, in terms of, of me going, well, you don't need to work with me. You just need to to <laughs> give it to somebody else. That You don't have to put yourself through this stress. Yeah? That's brilliant. <laughs> and in other cases, they'll go, you know what? No, I have to do this. I, it has to be me. And, and at that point, you've got to the truth of it, which it, it has to be you. There, there isn't like, like and, and then you've got to help them make the choice. Well, yeah, sure. it, it, it never really has to be you. Do you want it to, to be you? Do you need sure. it to be you? So you're taking it away from it would be nice or I have to to the need and, and the want. Yeah, uh, and, it, and it's basically it's basically uncovering urgency at that point. Now, in, work, in working with different people around the world, and I know you've worked with some very high-profile people, sure. um, prime ministers and the like, What's the what's the single biggest surprise or shock or something that you said? Oh my god, I never would have imagined that. Yeah. So so here's what I've come across uh, all the time is that the people who are in those high positions that I've worked with, what is astonishing about them is, despite what other people will tell you about them, they listen to advice, <laughs> they get help. They get help and they actually listen to that help and they go, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then they don't just half do it. They fully commit to doing it. They become real students of that area and they're now hungry and they're now going, Mark, tell me everything you know about this. Tell, I want to do this 100%. I want to excel in, in this area. And, and that's the big difference for me is that they go and 
seek help. And once now, the, here's the here's the big key: is you still have to convince them. There is yes. that moment, and you don't get very long. You don't get very long if you're walking into a to a prime minister's office and there's stuff going on. You don't get very long to convince them and to win th their trust and for them to be convinced that you're credible. You get really a few seconds yeah. in order to be. But when once you've done that, what you hear them do is go, "Yes, we're going to do this." And then this whole machine <laughs> goes into action sure. around you to, to support you ar around that. So you have a small window to convince these people. When they make a decision, they make a decision, and then they listen to advice. And, and this is contrary to what you'll hear a lot of people say, going, well, you know, they're kind of a megalomaniac, and they do their own thing, and... and uh, there may be well, there may well be people out there like that I, in the top ends of leadership. I haven't found those those people. Yeah. I, you know, and that's and that's refreshing to hear. And it's something that oftentimes when I when I talk to people who are leading organizations, they'll say, "Well, my team's pretty good. I don't think we need any other input." And you think to yourself. Oh my! And the the top performers right. are people who are killing it, and say, "How can I get a little bit better?" Right. So this is the difference, Ian, between a leader and a top performing leader. Yes. <laughs> we, and we've got to make that that difference in that there are literally, you know, millions, billions of leaders out there in whatever field, and then there's the top performers. And I would say what I work with, although, you know, there are some world leaders who are part of this that I've ended up working with, is I'm working with top performers. Just yep. so happens that some of them are entrepreneurs just starting out. Some of them are entrepreneurs who've been going for years. Some of them are running countries. Some of them are running huge organizations. Some of them are running way, way smaller organizations. But I would say all of them are top performers. Why are they top performers? Because they they know where their gap is. They know that they need to breach that gap. They go and find help. You still have to convince them that you're the person to, to help them. You're the best for them. And then when they've they they believe in you, they believe wholeheartedly and they do the work. Yep. Now, now Mark, I, I know that you won't bring it up, so I'm going to bring it up. I know that you have this – you've got a video training program mm. that all these elements of body language, from handshake to your facial expressions to basically different things that help convey that element of trust, authority, leadership, confidence – um, you've got a whole program, so tell people tell people a little bit about that. Yeah, so you know, o over the years, I've put together uh, on video uh, really high quality, great entertainment value for a start, but but the content in there is absolutely world class, and it gets straight to the the techniques that you need in order to win trust and gain credibility, but also how to run meetings, how to run workshops, how to train people, how to influence and persuade, how to sell. There's a there's hours and hours of content there. Um, and, and you can get that at, at uh, this address, which is bit.ly. So it's that bit.ly address, bit.ly forward slash truthplane. Truthplane is T-R-U-T-H-P-L-A-N-E. Uh, 
And we'll have that all. We'll have all that linked up in the show notes. That's as well. great, lovely. So go there and take a look at that. But but what I'd say to you is, if communication is key to you, your business, your organization, whatever you might do, if communication and being excellent at it and being a top performer in that area is the thing that will make a difference to you and your business, just go along and, and, and take a look for me because I really want to help you with this and the help is there. So we'll just leave it there. You know, it's, you know, it's a brilliant resource. We'll make sure that people have that, um, that have that access in the show notes and so that way they can they can easily find it. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Because I'm sure people are going to have questions. People are going to reach out and say, wow, thanks. They gave me new insight into body language and communication. Where do people find you? Yeah, so just use the word truth plane, T-R-U-T-H-P-L-A-N-E, truth plane. Stick it in Google. My website will come up. My name's Mark, so I'm Mark at truth plane. That's my personal uh, um, email. You're very welcome to email me on that. I do get back to you. So so you're very welcome to, to ask questions on that or get me through the website or Truthplane on uh, on YouTube. There's videos up there. Just really the word Truthplane will, will get you to me at some point. Brilliant. Well, Mark, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom. I, I'm telling you that I, you know, anytime you and I speak, I learn a ton and I'm sure our audience has today. So I'm really appreciative of your time. Oh, it's been great, Ian. I'm yours anytime. So great uh, being on your podcast with you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Just like at that dinner, Mark and I could talk about this stuff forever. Let me give you a few quick takeaways that you can use and apply in your business right away. First, when it comes to body language, listening to Mark, stop trying to read people. You're probably not going to be successful. You're going to think they're folded arms mean they're not approachable. They may not be. Instead, look at getting a broader context and collecting and gathering all the data that you can. And the idea is there are certain behaviors that you might exhibit that, that trigger a response from your client. So be aware of those so you don't show up as someone who's a pushy salesperson, but instead as someone who's there to help. Remember, this program gets its direction from you, the listener. If there's a topic you want me to cover, if there's a guest you'd like me to have on the show, drop me a note personally at ian at ianaltman.com. I'm really appreciative when you take the time to subscribe, when you drop me a note about the program. That's really rewarding. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, even your customer.